It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Wearing pink. Okay, here we go with the... Consequence Podcast Network. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with It's the Interview Series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network Uh, Thanks, as always, for making your way here Checking out the series I do hope you hit that subscribe button, of course Uh, I do three new interviews every single week It's a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday So it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists And discover the new ones at all the usual spots Including Spotify, Apple Podcast At uh, NPR, WFPK.org YouTube for the video versions Or anywhere you get your podcast from you can subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. Uh, recent episodes have uh, included guests like Madison Beer and Fosia, both talking about their new music. We've had uh, uh, Matthias Schweikoffer and Tom Harper to talk about the new Gal Gadot movie, Heart of Stone. Bethany Cosentino of Best Coast stopped by. We had Keanu Reeves and his band Dogstar, the cast of Minx with Elizabeth Perkins, Ellie Kemper of The Office and uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, uh, Emily Kenny of The Walking Dead, uh, as well as Bruno Major, Janelle Monet, Greta Van Fleet, Ian Hunter, Lucinda Williams, Nick Haxum of 311. Those are just some of the recent guests that we've had here on the Kyle Meredith with podcast and what you get when you subscribe. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guests are filmmakers Joelle Taylor and Tony Rentenmeyer. We're going to be talking about the Netflix film They Clone Tyrone. came out just a, uh, what, a few weeks ago. Uh, it's a movie that, that follows three friends as they discover and ultimately uncover an underground government cloning operation running experiments in the midst of their own town. And it stars Jamie Foxx, uh, Tayona Paris, and John Boyega. So going to be talking about uh, Joel and Tony, who co-wrote the movie together with uh, Joel directing. So we'll get to hear about well the feelings they had of helming their first major picture uh, and the fun of world building and coming up with the small and specific character traits of the Trone, uh, as well as watching fans make their own uh, arts after watching it. Uh, they're also going to talk about the underlying messages of the story from conspiracies and capers. We'll dig into the music of the film calling back to uh, 70s and 80s funk and pop and R&B. And if you've seen it, 
how they got Erica Badu to re-record one of her classic tracks. All that and more as we're talking They Clone Tyrone. It's Kyle Meredith with Joel Taylor and Tony Rentenmeyer. Hey, what up, guys? How are you doing? What is a pleasure to meet you both. And They Clone Tyrone, uh, I know you're getting lots of compliments, and let me just be one more on the pile, that this is one of the coolest, funniest, weirdest, yeah, best movie I've seen lately, I, and I mean that seriously. Like I, I didn't read a lot about what I was get, what I was, you know, seeing as I was going into it. Me and my wife watching it, and it ends up just being like, what? So many times. So just uh, first off, congratulations! Like I love what you guys have done. Well, I, think, I think weirdest is the best compliment in that list in terms of what we're what we want to do and stuff. Well, there's a lot that goes into it, and and I do want to hit on some of the weird parts too, but. But for this to be your all's, I mean, you, you've worked in movies, you, you've got, you know, your, your, your filmography behind you, but this is the first big thing right here. This is the first big thing that, that, you know, you're putting your names on. What's the confidence level going into a moment like this? Uh, you mean pre, pre-making it? You mean? <laughs> yeah, like, like, hey, here's the keys to the kingdom. Now you've got it. Now what? You're on the precipice of day one of shooting and you're like, uh-oh. You know? <laughs> uh, honestly, I, I think we felt like we were confident, but, you know, there's always, you know, we've talked about this a few times, you know, there's always a pervasive sense of imposter syndrome and anxiety that's inescapable. In a lot of ways, you know, especially like the closer you get to the first day of shooting and Jamie Foxx is in the first scene and you have no idea like what it's going to be like to work with Jamie Foxx. So, you know, I think we we try not to leave it to chance to put it like that. So we, we had backup plans for backup plans. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, we, we, we sat down and blocked out that first day three, four different ways, just in case they're not rocking with this. We're going to shoot it like this. If you're not like that, it's okay. It's okay. We'll start the scene over here, you know? <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I think we got a lot of confidence from how just approachable the actors were, you know? I think it, the fact that, like, John, Jamie, and Tiana were so, you know, gracious. Um, I, I tell people all the time, I would not have I would not have taken the role if I was an actor. It, it, you know, if the shoe was reversed, I would not put my faith in some random dudes from USC who you know, <laughs> you've never heard of. I I would not have, you know what I'm saying? So we are eternally grateful that they uh that they responded to the material the way they did. Um and, you know, I think they, they gave us, you know, the confidence just to stick with the idea, you know, and then stick with the vision, you know, while we were while we were shooting really, because, you know, they were so game to and go wherever. Tony, do you guys, uh, since you've been working together so long, do you, I mean, is it down to like a shorthand? Do you, do you, what, what's what's the uh, operating relationship at this point? Yeah, it is, honestly. It, it, I, I don't notice it when we're working together, but if ever we were talking to someone else, there's, there's a little bit more like leg room that needs to go into like explaining the idea to someone else versus us two, you know? Um, I mean, I think it's also... It's not like we're always in sync, you know, with how we think a story or a scene should go or anything. But I think we've and we argue a lot about how, you know, argue about like details of stories or scripts like and, and sometimes about like things that are truly minuscule, you know. But I, 
the, most often things that are minuscule. Most often, yeah, because what matter what matters to both of us, like those little details, is different. Uh, like I think one of our longest arguments on Tyrone was about like the time of day, like how how many hours characters spent underground, and like if if they come up and it's night, if it's weird, like some small thing like that. But we we've done it enough that like now we trust each other so much that like if we're arguing about something, we'll lean into the argument because we know that like if we argue about it enough there'll be like a third option that's better than either of the two that we are fighting for and i think that's the so we're not always like simpatico with what we think we should go but we we have faith that we'll get to a place that's that's better than what either one of us thought of and that takes a lot too just knowing knowing that if you're in the middle of that that you will eventually make it to that moment yeah yeah it's it's funny here you, you know you talking about coming up with those rules too how long they spend underground, you know, like you all get that opportunity. You get to build, you get to make up these rules as you go along and, and to figure that out. And I know that's just part of the job. That's part of the storytelling, but like, but like how much, like, I, I was starting to think like the little things, like do the clones age, you know? Uh, yeah. We talk about all this stuff. I mean, we talk, about, we talk about things like clone drift like in terms of like how far they drift from their like, Manchurian programming, you know what I mean, in terms of, so, so you know, trying to plant evidence of, you know, the, the first Fontaine and evidence of his drift, you know what I mean, and and we talk about the ennui that the clones must feel like having. Even like stupider stuff, like where, where in the decanting process do the clones get their hair done, you know, like when they're in the tube, should they be all cut up? Or is that like somewhere like when they get out, like all this, that it is, and it is like the fun stuff, honestly, like all that world building, even if it doesn't actually make it directly into the film, it like makes the process fun, you know, sitting in a room for hours on end, just like typing something out. That's always the fun thing you get on set. You tell you, a lot of times you'll talk hours about these details, but like production things will, will decide them for you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, uh, we talked so long about like what hairstyles the actors have. I mean, the um, clones have, and then you realize like when you're getting background who's willing to be nude in a pod, you know what I mean? Like, and then the time constraints is like some of them just have a hairstyle. Like, you know, we had decided like natural hair, they'll all have like afros and that. And then, like, <laughs> I probably shouldn't say this because now people are going to point, then people are going to go and find, you know, inconsistencies in the internal logic. But, <laughs> um, you know, it, it, you run into some real life like casting and timing things where you don't have the time to do the people's hair the way we made this lore. And it's like, I guess some people are just gonna have hairstyles that we have to hide, you know, with smoking mirrors. So if you look closely enough, you'll see a few clones that come out of the pods who very much have like braids and like, you know, like hairstyles, just absolutely not lore accurate at all. <laughs> Our little bootleg lore that we made. Um, but, you know, sometimes you just got to deal with, like, the production realities. Uh, so, you know, it, a lot of times we do obsess over things that, like, when it gets time to make it, it's like you end up conceiving them <laughs> anyway. Well, as the world builders yourself, I mean, you can make up those backstories if you needed to. Like, it doesn't matter what we think. Like, if you need to explain it away, you're, you're the creators. You know, we, get, we put our trust in you and all of that. And we'll be right back right after this. Shout out to uh, Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Uh, I, I live in Kentucky, 
in the Midwest and allergies, yeah, I suffer. When I say I suffer from allergies, I suffer from allergies. And around here, everyone I know deals with allergies to some degree. And for a long time, I thought it was just something that I would have to live with, which is a real problem um, for anything, but especially when you're a radio host. It affects my voice, it affects my mood, it affects everything. And I feel like I've tried every, I've tried all the medicines. Some of them work better than others, but there's, there's never a perfect one out there, especially because some of them take forever to actually work and some of them don't work at all. And then there's Astapro, the fastest solution to nasal allergy symptoms. It's what I use now, and it's definitely changed my life. Astapro is the first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Uh, Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. With all the pollen in the air, with all the dust around the the corners of the house, uh, even with uh, the allergies I have from my dog, Astapro has been the nasal spray that has helped me with all of my allergies. And it can help you too. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with Joel Taylor and Tony Rettenmeyer. You know, when you talk about what this movie is, and it's so many different things, one of the things it is and it isn't, like, it's not exactly a conspiracy movie because we're in the driver's seat. We're seeing it. You know, a lot of things about when we talk about conspiracy is that's something that somebody's going off on that's probably, you know, fake. But but we're we're seeing all this firsthand. But at the same time, it does play into that. Like why what makes what makes conspiracy fun to play with? Because I would think as a filmmaker that does allow you a lot to move around with. If if that's if that's true. I mean, I I think the fun of conspiracy movies is that there's a little bit of bleed over into real life. Like that's, I think the difference between like a conspiracy movie and a, and a pure mystery movie there, there's a, we always wanted um, like, you know, our, our dream was that there were people on Reddit talking about the movie, you know, uh, or, you know, or what the YouTube comments are about. And we're, we're not, you know, like, we're not saying that conspiracies presented in Tyrone are true, but they do, they're, they are supposed to mimic in some sense, like real world conspiracies. And I think that's that crossover between like a movie seeming like it's like tipping its hat to something in the real world is what I think makes conspiracies fun, you know, as opposed to a mystery movie where the, the, the whole question is contained within the two hours of the, the runtime of the movie. Yeah. And, and hearing you guys talk about even in, in other interviews, you know, it's like, there the, the movie says a lot and it says a lot about what's going on in the world and 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 society and race and everything but i also hear you guys talk in a way that it's almost like you don't and correct me if i'm wrong it almost feels like you don't want to push it too much in that because it's still entertainment like you know when me and my wife are watching it you know of course uh tuskegee comes up in conversation 
you know, and that's a real life thing like that happens. And that feels like that's part of the underlying influence, if not maybe a direct influence. But I guess when you talk about what the message is, how much of what you all are making with this movie, you wanted a direct message versus here's entertainment, take of it what you will. I mean, I think, I think the latter is completely what it is. I mean, I'm from Tuskegee. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's obviously they're going to be, you know, uh, people who associate, you know, syphilis experiments with the movie. It's, it's clearly there if you're looking for it, you know what I'm saying? If you, if you know about that, then obviously you'll, you'll see parallels. Um, but I think, uh, we, we went out of our way. We really did go out of our way to try to just present it as just like <laughs> something that just a bootleg Scooby-Doo movie and let the chips fall. You know what I mean? When it comes to how people interpret it, I think the fun is, you know, seeing people just... One thing that, you know, I think we we believed in philosophically before baking it, but before you make it, it's kind of hard to... It comes in practice. I think like One thing that I think is the funnest thing is really seeing how... It, We've never been able to. We thought we would like it, but I, I think it's, you know, our hypothesis was proved correct. But seeing how something mutates when it's given to other people. And I mean, it goes beyond, like, you know, just how people theorize and like how people interpret it that is completely different than when we were working on it, right? Like, you'll, you'll have your set of this means this, this means this, this means this, but you know that like someone's going to watch it and think, you know, X doesn't equal, you know, 76, X equals 95, you know what I mean? Like, they're going to have a completely different interpretation for something. And I think that's one of the funnest parts is seeing, like, how people interpret it, you know, what people metabolize out of it, what they don't, you know, I mean, it's, it. I think just seeing how other people interact with, with the body of work, you know, and, and seeing, like, what kind of mutations come, seeing what memes come out of it you know what I mean like seeing like you know I was like hoping that somebody would do a painting or something some kind of art and sure enough somebody did and it was like oh yes you know what I mean and then a dude took the soundtrack and chopped and screwed it yesterday and it was like yes like you know people are appropriating it already you know what I mean which I think is super interesting and I think it, that works for like the theory crafting and the thematic takeaways as well as like you know people's like making art on top of your art you know what I mean and like I think that's been the funnest thing so you know we we didn't set out to prescribe anything to anyone you know I mean it was just things that that were bothering me that conversations that me and Tony had and that we wanted to explore in the movie I think you know and we definitely have been like pleased to see that like a lot of theories have popped up you know uh, that, that's probably been one of the funnest parts we always like looked at it first and foremost as entertainment and then secondary, like we never saw it as a lesson plan. Like it was more like a tool if people wanted to talk about stuff, but like it wasn't, neither of us wanted to pre- present it like we knew more than anybody watching it. And we had like some great like truth or lesson to like imprint on them. We're definitely not sociologist, you know, <laughs> you know we, we're not qualified to talk in a, two-hour movie about anything super deep you know what i'm saying we might be talking about things that are deep but we're not qualified to answer anything <laughs> that makes yeah. sense we can we can make observations i think that's about as far as we take it the the conversations are fun afterwards though and I, again you know we're sitting around watching it and 
my wife, who's usually much smarter than me, as you'll find out as I keep quoting her, uh, she she looks she turns over and she goes, she goes, it really makes you think about the simulation theory. And 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 then, you know, of course, we're talking about aliens and, and everything else that's around at the time, you know, and and, yeah. and and I started thinking of movies like like Dark City and the 13th Floor. That's great. This is all the stuff we, we hoped would happen, because that even goes like simulation stuff goes even outside of e- even the box that like Tyrone presents itself in, you know, Um uh, so yeah, I mean that that stuff's like music to our ears, you know. Uh, I, I got to bring up music, of course, too, uh, since you said the word there, because, uh, well, we got '80s R&B and funk. What? Uh, let's see here. I, I know I clocked Michael Jackson. I think there's some Bootsy Collins in there, and I'm not even getting to the one at the end yet with with Erica. Uh, and and maybe it was one of you that said it, uh, Julie. Maybe it was you that said you tend to think in song. Oh, yeah, and you yeah. think like what 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 were you talking about there? It's not so much that I think in music, like you know, I'm like singing the singing the words necessarily. It's more that like I think in music when I when I'm when I'm ideating, a lot of times I'll have a feeling and a mood or a tone, and it'll be a song that like encapsulates it, right? And you'll be trying to replicate how a certain song makes you feel, and this goes with almost anything, like you know, any script that we work on. You know, it's it's always a feeling that I get from music, primarily, that filters to film. You know, and so I'll I'll be feeling a sense of melancholy from listening to James Blake. I'll be listening to Retrograde and feeling very melancholic, and all of a sudden, melancholic ideas start to come out, and then suddenly you're writing, you know, you're writing a love story. You know, like you know what I mean? Like it's that's very reductive, but. You know, representation of the process but i mean kind of what it is in, in simple terms you know i think you know, I'll, I'll have i'll have like you know feelings from songs and then just images will start like popping in my head so then then it's like a matter of trying to deconstruct like what that means you know and then we talk about it a lot and we find songs and you know eventually it starts to make some semblance of sense after a while but it's always like for me uh like how am I feeling when I hear something? Because I, I get like very intense feelings when I listen to different things, you know what I'm saying? So I uh, I want to feel like, I want to feel that when I'm watching stuff, you know, like my favorite movie moments a lot of the time are like when the music and the, the score or a needle drop and like it just, when it synergizes and like you get that endorphin burst in the back of your neck, like I, that's the kind of stuff, you know, uh, if you're watching like some shonen anime, you know what I mean? Like the, where you know they they really like just hit you in the feels with the score writers you know like, yeah there's a lot of lot of examples that you can give you know in the shonen world but you know, I think uh, that's really kind of where it comes from. You know? It I, I have a lot of nerdy things, but probably the nerdiest thing is that I collect soundtracks. I just have a wall of soundtracks and scores, and you, you know, know Tyrone soundtrack on the wall, you know. <laughs> I need a sound. I need the soundtrack. Is it? Is there a physical copy of that? We're trying to get a vinyl. You know what I'm saying? Netflix or something. You know, somebody, somebody needs to. I've got the Stranger Things vinyl. Oh, I know yeah. they can do it. Someone, someone needs to do it, but you know. I feel like they should make like an eight track or something. That would be really cool. And we'll be right back right after this. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with Joel Taylor and Tony Rettenmeyer. Musically speaking, 
obviously we're in a period in this movie and there's a little things like you know i don't i don't know what you call the film or the filter you know that that the look of the film anyway even down to uh you know when tyrone's going through the house and he gets to the break room and there's that clock on the wall i'm like yeah it's the clock on the wall from the 70s and 80s that's that's my school clock you know so i mean how did you end up in this specific period like why did you all pick this specific period for the look for the music and maybe not necessarily the time though uh yeah i mean there was there was always this idea of being able of making the glen like out of space and out of time and like for that, like a big inspiration was stuff like Napoleon Dynamite or It Follows, where there seems to be these anachronism in, these, in this otherwise modern world. And it creates this like just a little bit of like universality to it. You know, the idea that this could be happening anywhere and at any time. And I think uh, the way Dwells described it good is that like, you know, there are, there are or it's like the cognitive dissonance that comes with like seeing a building that used to be a pizza hut. And is now like, you know, a, a vet store or something, you know, it's this like, you know what it is, but now it's something different. And it's like, it's neither one or the other. And I think that like little bit of disassociation or something, just we wanted that in the tone of the movie, uh, partially for a world world building and partially just for a stylistic reason. It's fun. It is fun. It, it just, I don't know, it feels weird. As we talk about the weird, it just feels weird in the best way, you know, how it all kind of comes like that. Um, before I forget to ask, because I brought it up a minute ago, but we do end with Erica Badu, and it's not just Tyrone; it's a new version of Tyrone. Version how of how did you all get that hat to happen? A lot of people don't notice that too, <laughs> and I'm still wondering how we got that. You know, um, they set up a um, a meeting with Erica when we were in pre production, so this was maybe like fall 2020 something like that and uh it was like a zoom meeting and we were expecting to like do the whole pitch like because we actually pitched the movie without a script but we pitched erica badu doing the last song before so so we always joked that like she was doing the song she was there before the script was there you know that's how we like to think about it you know the second we second we was like all right we're really gonna call the day clone time wrong because that was the joke title for a long time the second we decided to like really call it they clone Tyrone, it's like, well, the next decision made is like obviously Erica Badu has to remake Tyrone for us in some kind of way. Um, and we, we we had the Zoom meeting with uh Erica and we 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 get like two minutes in and she was like, I'm in, I'm doing it. And it was like, what? Like, you know, like I was trying to explain that we wanted the Bernstein bears it, but she took the words out of my mouth literally, you know, like imagine an alternate you mean you want me to bernstein bears and i'm like oh, i knew this was you <laughs> i knew yeah she knew right away and then the first like snippet that she sent me was literally like because you know i was like oh we want the live version of the song she's like okay i'm gonna have to rebuild it but i think i, I got you i got you so she remade it from scratch because like she didn't she doesn't have any stems for a live recording but the live recording is the one most people the song for not the album version so it's like you really need that live re recording for it to to feel like it's the one that we know the best and she totally just from the first meeting she was like all the way in and really just that's all erica she just went off and did it and just brought it back it was like that's exactly what i was talking about 
That's amazing. And it's amazing, too, that you got the live because I noticed that at the beginning because, you know, she does the ladies where you at, fellas, you know, and then and, and you're thinking like, of course, you know, Tyrone. And then you hear those first words and you're like, wait a second. And all the response at the beginning, you know, the whole thing. I mean, that's what like she got every detail. She recreated every detail in like 2022. Even though, you know, the song is 20 years old, you know what I'm saying? More than 20, 25 years old, you know. But she recreated all of these live. The crowd is recreated. The the call and response, you know what I'm saying? It's like she remade it all and, and EQ'd it in such a way that, it, you know, it sounds so close to the original version. You really have to listen to them side by side to, like, notice the differences. That's incredible. Uh, you know, I I congratulated on, congratulated you on the movie, but congrats on on that. That's what we really take pride in. It's like we we, we got Erica Badu to like make Tyrone again. That's that's really the the biggest swing that we took. Oh, but we got Erica to do something like amazing. And I mean, uh, like Jules, like beyond just getting like convincing Erica to redo the song and stuff, like Jules more involved in the music of this. Um, you know he's modest about it but like obviously like all directors are involved in the music but Jewel is like very intimately involved in it and to the, end of, to the extent of like going in the studio and, and being with our composer Desmond Murray who he used to make who was a childhood friend that they made music since they were kids together so uh, yeah I mean, he's he's like historically very modest about it and I, I do think it's one of the best parts of the film, you know, so. Well, seriously, and just another reason why we need a physical soundtrack, too. So that exists. Uh, and those are fun. I mean, you know, you get in the play. I don't know if you call that an Easter egg, but it's sort of like an Easter egg if because you got to pay attention. You got to find it. And, and and hearing just knowing those moments are everywhere. We also at the end of it, I was like, I was like Googling Olympia Black going, is this a real person? You know, it's like it, it is. It's taking everything further you know, outside of the movie. It's exactly what I think you guys have been talking about this whole time. It's, I you know, it, I haven't had that experience in a long time. Yeah, we wanted to plant enough Easter eggs that people were, were rewarded going down those like rabbit holes, those Wikipedia rabbit holes and stuff. Uh, I hope you guys continue to do that. I mean, surely, hopefully you're talking about the next projects. And, and, and this is, if this is what I can expect from you all as a team, thank fucking God somebody is doing it. <laughs> In the perfect world, we'll be able to, in the future, make more original stuff. Well, I hope so. Um, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite movies I've seen in a long time. So, guys, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for taking the time to talk about it. Ooh, thank you, man. And my thanks to Joel and Tony, They Clone Tyrone, on Netflix now. Thanks to you for checking out the episode again. Uh, if you enjoyed it, I hope you hit that subscribe button. I'll give you three brand new interviews every single week, just like this one. New and every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at uh, all the spots. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can grab us at NPR at WFPK.org. YouTube for the video versions or anywhere you get your podcast from. You can subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. And then after that, head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday, starting at 6 p.m. Eastern. You get the best in new music. You get lots of classic tracks. Uh, there's music news, bonus interviews. Uh, one of my recent episodes had the music of uh, R.E.M., Elastica, The Flaming Lips, Patti Smith, Joni Mitchell, The Raconteurs, Betty Wright, Arrested Development, Pete Townsend, 
Heartless Bastards, Big Thief, Prince, Gabriel's, Lizzo, The Last Dinner Party, Mitski, Pearl Jam, Jimmy Eat World, Astrid, Gilberto, Lana Del Rey, Charles Bradley, Hole, Queens of the Stone Age, Cindy Lauper, De La Soul, Fishbone, and uh, a whole lot more. That's just uh, an example of what you get every weeknight at 6 p.m. when you tune in at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on any of the social media spots. The address is always the same, at Kyle Meredith. So I do hope you like and follow along. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith, and I'll see you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Consequence Podcast Network. I feel like somebody's going to make a coffee table book about like backgrounds during the Zoom COVID era. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media.